Episode 7 Does the end justify the means? Please be advised that this episode contains language and descriptions of events that some listeners may find offensive and upsetting. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. There are many things you can be in this world simultaneously and still function with a degree of normality. You can be depressed and still go to work. You can be stressed and still manage the household duties. But anger is a selfish emotion. It doesn't do well with anything else, especially not logic. The evolution of anger is rage and spite. Rage is the king of all things negative and harmful to mankind. So what does it mean to be angry and not sin? People associate the word sin with religion, but it's not directly to do with religion. It's about anything that's going to be detrimental to you, what you believe in and the people around you. It's something that may have an everlasting consequence or spiral into events that you have no control over. To be angry is one thing, but to act upon anger is something else. You can be angry and not sin, but that takes strength that most of us don't acquire. As a child, anger can seem like a definitive. We learn this from our parents, siblings, people in authority, and from bullies. Anger provokes fear, which then leads to control and exploitation. A person who lives or has lived in fear, it can suppress them emotionally, causing them to implode before they finally explode later on in life. A successful person who is disciplined through fear, violence and aggression will likely go on to believe that the means justify the ends no matter what the methods used are, as long as the results are achieved. This isn't always the case, but it does happen. I worked with a man who had spent some time in prison because social services discovered that if his son didn't eat every last spoon of every last meal, he would punch and slap the child in the face. The boy was 10 years old. In court, the father argued that his son was healthy, strong and doing well academically due to the discipline he had shown the child. To the father, his means were justified. No matter what was said to him, he wouldn't see it any differently. He was an angry person with issues of violence and aggression in his own past. And because his issues were not transformed in his own life, they were transferred to others. His discipline was based on anger and the boy's cooperation was based on fear. From the dad's point of view, the son was learning to eat when he was told. And in a way, he was right. But more than this, the child was learning something else, fear and intimidation. Being a responsible guardian is difficult and I question the methods of anyone who suggests otherwise. I think that being a parent should be the number one thing on any CV. Children can push us to a limit beyond sanity and how we respond is the real manner of our parenting skills. I remember a case we had to study in law it was about a father who was trying to feed his nine-month-old baby. The child refused to eat and was screaming for hours on end. Eventually, the father picked the baby up by his feet and slammed him against the wall. 
Unfortunately, the baby died. The judge considered that a screaming baby can push someone over the edge, no matter how old they are or no matter how sane they are as a person. This was a landmark case. The man was charged with manslaughter rather than murder. Everyone has their own way of dealing with situations based on their own logic. I remember every time I would take my dog on a walk, he would run into the bushes and eat anything he could find. He would then have to go to the vet because he would be up vomiting all night and losing weight over a period of time. In the end, the vet suggested that I should discipline him with meaning, which in my opinion was a stupid thing to say. I made a foam baton and when he did eat something, I slapped his backside with it. Obviously it didn't hurt him and he wasn't bothered anyway. He continued to feast as normal so I had to change the route that we walked on, otherwise he would have died. But what if I didn't have the knowledge and wisdom to change the route and decided to use an iron bar instead of foam and this did make him stop eating waste? Would I then have been justified? The difficulty is that knowledge, wisdom and foresight are based on experience that some people are not fortunate enough to have gone through. And even if we had experienced something similar, decisions are often based on how we feel at the time. And this overshadows logic, leaving only emotions to decide. Sebastian had been with his wife for six years. He said they had a great relationship, but apparently she used sex as a weapon and it was always on her terms. He explained that sometimes they can go months without it and every day was a struggle for him. He had spoken to her many times about the situation, and every time he had spoken to her, she said that she'll do better next time, and promises to consider him. He said things are good for a few days, and then it goes back to the same old, same old. He said he loves his wife and children, but the frustration is too much for him. He had been outside the relationship before, but the guilt nearly killed him. So he promised himself to never do it again. We spoke about his life in general and other than the sex situation, everything seemed okay or normal. He described the situation as being soul destroying. He said it affects his moods and attitudes towards the kids, her and everyone in general. He said to know that he is suffering and not wanting to help him out he said he thought that was evil. At this point, I could have asked many questions such as, does she enjoy, is she stressed out? What does she do for a living? Does she love him? And so on and so on. But I could tell all these questions were irrelevant to him at this time. I said, Sebastian, if you're looking for me to tell you what to do, that's not going to happen. Only you can decide. But what I will do is highlight the facts and summarise what you've already told me. The facts are, you are happy in the relationship, but you have come to a point where you are contemplating if living with guilt is going to be easier than living with sexual frustration. You know it's morally wrong, and you believe it will make you happy, therefore making the children happier and making your wife happier. The dilemma for Sebastian is that he's a good person. 
And if he goes outside of the relationship, one or two things will happen. Guilt will eventually consume him, or it won't. If he goes outside the relationship, he'll fall apart. And if he doesn't, he will change as a person. And that person won't be a part of the family anymore. Because mentally, he will have to be different. Hostile, aggressive, angry and dismissive. It's the only way to keep the guilt away. We used to say, sex sells. But we are way past that now. Sex doesn't just sell. It's embedded in every industry, from children's programs to OIP bingo. You can't escape it. Media doesn't portray the political issues around sex. It just bombards you with lust and happiness. You won't go a day without seeing a bulge in a pair of boxer shorts, short skirts, or a bouncing bottom, or enough cleavage to fill a small room. Gone are the days where the 9p watershed meant anything at all. Society has normalised sexual behaviour, so even the most faithful among us will struggle from time to time if we don't guard our minds. I explained to Sebastian that he needs to consciously take himself out of the lust zone. Love Island, Big Brother, nightclubs, TikTok and other social media apps are all geared towards lust and oh look at me and look how perfect we are and how perfect my body is. They all portray a false utopia and causes depression. Subconsciously, we compare what we are seeing to what we have, and what we have will never be victorious against what we believe we could have if we keep feeding the ideology that doesn't exist. I'm not saying that people can't be happy. I'm saying that evolution is real, and what you do as a couple now may not be what you're doing in five years' time. That doesn't mean your relationship is over or you're not happy. It could mean that you've both evolved to a place that isn't shown on mainstream media. Think about it. On these shows and these perfect pictures, no one has a smelly poo or period pains. People don't get migraines or thrush or STDs. The kids always seem to behave. Money's never an issue. You don't see people on their second or third marriage with six kids and C-section scars. It's not real. And this is why in reality, so many relationships don't last. Because in truth, relationships are partnerships based on compatibility. I gave Sebastian a scenario to consider. So you decide the urge has just become too much. And the missus has denied you one too many times. You're a man with pride, so begging for affection just isn't your style. So you decide to go out and make the phone call and meet someone else. You arrive. She looks fantastic. You get down to business. It's all go and excitement. You're one hour in and it's time for the popping of the champagne, if you know what I mean. It's done. Now you're laying down next to a woman that isn't your wife and you come back to your senses and your consciousness just becomes miraculously clear all of a sudden. You're thinking about where you are, who you're with, the children, the good times, etc, etc. Now ask yourself this, did the means justify the ends? The question you have to ask yourself, I said, is do you love lust more than your family 
and more than your wife. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The period of time it takes for the sun to go up and down is classed as a full day. Within that period of time, growth happens. We unnoticeably gain weight, lose weight, lose hair, and something happens to us all is that we age, but something else happens. In that time period, we learn to adapt to situations, situations that can be toxic. Remember your very first argument with your partner or someone you love and how much you wanted to sort things out before you left that person or before you went to sleep. This is because you wanted to lay down in peace and wake up knowing everything was okay and just carry on with life as normal, the good life. Until that one time, for whatever reason, you couldn't reach a resolution and went to bed with unresolved disagreements. You see, growth happens whether you like it or not. And going to bed with issues on resolves leaves you with two options. Fall asleep in pain because you wanted to sort them out or use anger and blame to justify your position. The second options are the easiest, but they're the most harmful to you and your relationship because growth takes place in the form of attitude and resilience towards logic. Logic that would have been used to sort out the situation at the time of the conflict. Now the original issue has become irrelevant. Your new focus is anger. The moment you stop being angry is the moment you will start to question whether you were wrong or right. So the issue has now become about you not giving in rather than sorting out the dispute. The example of the sun going down represents the time period in which we should resolve our conflicts. We all have our crosses to bear. And if you think about it, I'm sure you can think of a situation that relates to the subject means and end within your own life. My son is eight years old and he plays football at a high level. How can an eight year old play football at a high level? If you were thinking that, then you're right. Because high level football at eight years old does not exist. He has played since he was three years old. It's been a part of his weekly routine ever since. Not because I forced him to play, but because he loves it. Over the pandemic, sports and gatherings were obviously cancelled, so he didn't play that much during this time. I consciously made the decision not to force him to play. I know many parents made their sons or daughters train multiple times a week, and if it worked for them, that's great, and I pass no judgement on anyone at all. When he went back to football after the lockdown, he wasn't as sharp. If you know my son or seen him play, you would understand that this was a big deal for him, and not just for him, but everyone around him, for reasons I'll explain in the next episode entitled Managing the Struggle. At first, his rustiness didn't bother me, but after a few weeks, I felt that he wasn't trying. So one day, I suggested that he should try harder and do what he knows he can do. I noticed tears well up in his eyes. I later reflected upon my comment. I never shout at him or show him any type of anger because he's a child and I understand all too well what this feels like. My comment was a result of frustration on my behalf, which may have come across as anger to him. And all for what? Because of the thought that one day he may play professional football, 
nonsense. Some parents only have a relationship with their sons or daughters because of football and the child's performance on the pitch determines their relationship at home. We all have to consciously be aware not to fall into this type of living. So what if my son becomes a professional football player and earns two, three hundred thousand a week? But all his childhood memories consist of being shouted at, dragged out against his will, made to do something he doesn't want to do. And after every game, he remembers mum and dad talking about other kids on the phone, slagging them off. They didn't pass, they didn't tackle, or they played more minutes than my son. Or he remembers how dad used to argue with coaches and threaten other dads on the sideline. Oh, and let's not forget about hours and hours of being shouted at in the car on the way home from practice or a game because they should have done this or they should have done that. There's no good or happy memories of playing hide and seek and going for walks, climbing trees, watching films together as a family, reading, writing, spelling, going on bike rides, cooking, and other activities that boys should go through, or even girls, to develop them as children. Would the ends justify the means just because I achieved my goal that they play professional football? What about when they grow up? How will their interaction be with their children and their spouses? We must think about the mental health of children before anything else and consider the long-term effects that our behaviour has on them. So the question I would encourage every football parent to ask themselves is this. In 10 years' time, other than football, what other memories will your child be able to reflect on? Consider this. Their football career may not even last forever, even if they do make it. So what happens and what tools are we leaving for them to continue in life? A few years ago, the pugilist specialist and the last bona fide undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, Lennox Lewis and I, were having a conversation about life in general. I asked him why we never hear or read crazy stories about his lifestyle. He said it's down to his mother's discipline and upbringing. He was his mother's son before he was an athlete during his career and still when he retired. So back to the question, does the end justify the means? I believe the answer depends on the means you're trying to justify and why. I think life is about the journey, not the destination. We can be so intent on getting to where we think we will be happy that we forget to enjoy things along the way. There are going to be times where situations just don't go our way. We don't have enough money, the car keeps breaking down, the kids won't sleep, you're out of work, you can't pay certain bills, you don't get the job, or you're just not getting on with your partner. You can take all these negatives and ask why me. Or you can say, remember the time when things weren't going right, so he went to go and see the counsellor and how we learnt to communicate better. Remember when we didn't have enough money, so we spent the day building paper airplanes with the kids and pretended to be pilots. Remember when the car broke down for a month and we walked the kids to school. It was good exercise and we managed to lose £10. Remember when we didn't have enough money to pay the bills. So every Saturday we'd done a car boot sale. We got rid of loads of junk and made some money. And remember when we didn't get on and we didn't talk for a week. I actually realised how much I love you. And how much we actually do get on. And how much we actually need each other. In reality, the destination doesn't exist only the journey. Because once you reach your 
desired goal. One second after, it becomes a part of your past and another journey begins. There'll be a time when you're old or older and the kids have moved on and you're retired or you're just unable to work for whatever reason. And all you have left is memories. It'd be horrible to think that all you have to reflect on is just the times where you try to be happy rather than you were happy. Enjoy every second of every minute because that's all you really have. End of podcast.